one thing I was taught is to be confident, to know what I want, to know who I am, to know where I am going, to understand what it will take to get there and to do the work. I see the walls before me, I feel the cages forming, seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me, I know what change is coming, I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into everything. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions and most importantly opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. Welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donko. Today, we have the Barrier Breaker of the month of March 2021. And she's an amazing, amazing young lady. I am super proud of her. I am happy that she's here. I really, really appreciate you for doing this with me. She's none other than Jama Jack. And she's a feminist leader, blogger, and communications professional. She's an advocate and activist for the promotion and respect of the rights of women and girls. And I'm so happy that you are here. She's been doing this from 10 years old. (laughs) I can't wait to get into the conversation. Jama, please introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Joyce. And thank you for selecting me as your barrier breaker of the month. It's an absolute honor for me. Thank you so much. I am a communications professional. I am a feminist. I am a writer. And recently, I guess I can also say I'm a podcaster. (laughs) So I work in communications. This is my professional engagement. I currently head of communications at the MRC in the Gambia. And I'm leading a team of four other people to drive our internal and external communication activities, which also includes our public engagement activities. Apart from that, obviously, I'm a feminist activist. I've been working in this space for quite a long time, starting from, of course, children's rights, because I was a child at the time, right, through Lena Hand Society, and moving gradually to really identifying what area I wanted to focus on, because obviously human rights is a whole umbrella, and you can't really do everything everywhere. So as I grew, as I found my voice, as I found my purpose, and became more in tune with who I was and what I wanted to do, my energy has been directed towards feminism. So not just women, not just girls, but also other marginalized groups. So for me, it's really seeking liberation for all oppressed groups, all marginalized persons in the world. I have been lucky to find sort of like an intersection between what I do professionally and what I call my hard work. And so it's basically how do I use my communications expertise and experiences to support my activism and advocacy and 
And so a lot of what I do with activism is built around communicating, around engaging, around creating messages and running campaigns. I've been lucky to sit at that intersection and it's really where I feel most alive. It's where I feel happiest. It's where I feel like I'm truly living in my purpose. I had to let you say that because of your blog post, Humble for What? Performing Humility as a Measure of Goodness. And I was reading that and I was like, yes, like we get it so wrong most of the time. And I had to let you say that because I don't know whether you've heard yourself say it to yourself, that this is who you are. You are amazing. You are powerful. You're doing great. You are loved. Like I love and appreciate what you are doing right now. And from 10, I'm like, yo, can you be a president right now? Can you run for presidency? Because those people out there, I don't know what you're doing. And I'm super proud of you. It's like, okay, the leaders are there. Are they not seeing these things that you guys are seeing? And you're not the only one doing this, but like the others that have been there as leaders have not even scratched the surfaces of what you've been able to achieve and do right now. And that's why I'm like, can you run for president? (laughs) Because you are amazing. You are powerful. You are great. You are peace that's your name you are peace and peace is who you are peace is who you are to anyone you come in contact with peace is what you have brought to the world to Gambia especially we love you we appreciate you Jama keep doing what you're doing keep exploring keep standing out keep shining keep doing you like we love you and I'm so grateful and proud because what you're doing is amazing you started from the age of 10 like kudos to your parents for allowing you to do that some parents don't like they want to shield and that's why so many people's gifts and talents are now coming out why they could have started from when they were young I appreciate your parents for doing that for you allowing you to be you allowing you to explore so what was going through your mind at 10 did you ever think you're going to come this far or like did you have a vision what was going through your mind at 10 it's interesting you mentioned my parents because sometimes I tell people I inherited this work right (laughs) so I was born to a mother who's also been doing this work my mother has dedicated her whole life to serving humanity and serving community and as a kid you know she would pick me up as a baby and travel with me to rural Gambia to do her work (laughs) and come back (laughs) indirectly I even started before 10 right but that's the woman that gave birth to me and that's the woman I've had the honor of being raised by so for me it kind of felt like this is a natural path for me because I grew up seeing an example and because she was doing that work I think it was easy for her to understand that when I went into Lenahan for example because like every weekend we had activities and to be honest my journey into media and com started there as well because we had radio shows every week can you know so she could see the value in that and she could see how it is very much linked to maybe what I would want to do but also how it is linked to what she is doing right and I believe that kind of made it easy for me but obviously within the extended family some of the people would not understand that but I had my mother's support I had her blessings I had her encouragement she was always there really to just support me and that made the difference for me and as a child to be honest I came into who I am right now I wasn't always like this. I was very shy. You would always find me in a corner with a book. <laughs> I was burying my nose in a book. And that's where I found comfort and safety and peace. So at 10, my best friend, Joyce Riley, she's also Joyce. <laughs> 
She tried so hard because like we were at Laos, Lenderhan was on our way home and usually we would stop by there to get some water to drink and then we'll continue our walk back home. And every time we went in there, we'd find kids, we'd find young people and we were always wondering what are they doing? But we knew that they were also the ones who would organize the International Children's Day of Broadcasting at the time. And then we're like, okay, we're going to join Lenderhan. But every weekend when she comes to get me, I'll always find excuses. I'm like, Joyce, no, I can't go today. I have to do this and that and the next. So this one Saturday, she was particularly determined and she came and she told my mom I've been telling Jama you know but she's refused to come and my mom was like get up go and that's how I went for my first Lenahan meeting I remember when I went into that meeting and they asked me to introduce myself I was crying because I was just not used to that I was such an introvert I was so shy I like to tell people that was my first safe space maybe because they allowed me to just get through my tears and they were like okay we're just gonna wait for you uh, whenever you're ready you can tell us what your name is and what school you go to and what grade you are in. And I felt safe in that moment. And if anything, you know, that is really what I have carried on from introducing myself to that small group to now getting up on stages, speaking about our rights as children, but also doing really important work around destigmatizing HIV and AIDS at the time. Because during that time, there was a lot of work on HIV and AIDS. And we were specifically working on the area of stigma and discrimination against people living with HIV at the time. And so at such a young age, we were on radio, we were on TV, we were at events, we were at policy activities and just doing the work, you know. And at the time, it's funny because we did not consider it work. We just felt like we were doing what we needed to do as members of society, but also as children who felt like our rights were not being respected and fulfilled. So we needed to speak up. And really, that is what has brought me to where I am today. It's just all of that work being grounded in service and being grounded in the understanding that I'm not just in this world for myself. I am here to serve or fulfill a purpose and I will be doing a disservice to myself and to my community if I do not fulfill that purpose. It looks like a journey that has brought you to where you are. I was saying to one of my friends, I think about a year or two ago, I was like, I feel like I now know who I am and I kind of like know my purpose. And I didn't realize that five years ago or 10 years ago. And coming to realize who you are, it makes you more grounded, makes you be able to stand firm and be able to do more and you know know where you are going and I'm grateful for that journey and I'm also grateful for Lender Hand Society because I went there when I was 11th grade or when I finished 12th grade I think I just went there for just a few days because my friend Jester Ali she took me there <laughs> she was one of the very active members <laughs> right Nesta was all going out doing all kinds of stuff like I feel like that's what she loved doing but my parents would not allow me to just go anywhere you know they have to question so many things so for me, I was more of the stay-at-home kid, you know, apple picking <laughs> or speaking, stay at home. Or speaking. <laughs> or speaking, right? Everywhere you have to go, you are questioned. And I'm grateful for my parents. I'm sure they were just protecting me, and that's what they could do as parents then. But now I would want to make my kids explore. Yes, I'll ask questions. Yes, I want to even go to those meetings just to know that whatever they're doing is the right thing they're doing because I want them to know who they are and I want them to know the community that they are around and kudos to your parents for allowing you to do that, for allowing you to go into those spaces. And also for your friend, thank God for supportive friends that will push you. <laughs> that will push you. I mean, for Barrett Breakers Corner, I'm grateful for my friend, Anita, who has always pushing me to do stuff. I'm also grateful for my sisters that have been there for me, like encouraging me. It's so good to have these people around you because then it makes you be able to 
push and go further. And I'm so grateful for that. Them allowing you to be in that space, for them pushing you to be where you are. And I just want you to talk more and just finding yourself because you talked about you coming to know who you are. Can you elaborate more on that? It's very easy to lose sight of who you are. But even before losing sight of who you are, you need to know who you are, right? In Gambia, it's really easy to just not know who you are and to live your life based on other people's expectations and other people's ideas of who you should be. It can be really difficult to just find yourself, find who you are, but also live your life for you. This obviously doesn't. So like we say, no man is an island, no woman is an island, right? But it doesn't mean you're living outside of a community. I place a high premium on community. And like you have said, you need people around you to catch you when you fall or simply just be there. But then there is a very high tendency to lose your individual identity simply because you want to fit in. So for me, I always say it was important important for me that I had this grounding at 10, that I had the privilege of being a part of an organization that showed me that I mattered, that taught me that I am valuable, that taught me that I am worth so many things and that I also should not just limit my idea of who I am to one thing. I can be so many different things. And so for me, that's the journey that I have carried. It's not something that I usually stop and reflect on a lot because it's basically become natural to me. And I think it's because obviously it started early. You know, it might have been different if I came to this journey a bit later, but it started early. And so for me, it was always direction. It was always, you have something to do. You have something to change. You have something to contribute. Go ahead and do that. Obviously, it doesn't mean there weren't any challenges. There were challenges. There are still challenges. There will always be challenges. But one thing I was taught is to be confident, to know what I want, to know who I am, to know where I am going to understand what it will take to get there and to do the work as well to be able to get what I want. So the journey has been a lot of learning. Every time I talk to anyone, I'm like, focus on learning. Don't give up on learning. Your learning doesn't stop at all. People can call you an expert or professional or whatever. Don't allow yourself to stop learning. Don't allow yourself to get to a point where you feel I know it all. So if anything, if I were to describe my journey in one word, it would be that it's a journey of learning and also a journey of growth. Because as I learn, I am also growing. And in my growth, I am also creating space to support other people to also learn and grow. That is very important. Focus on learning and growth as well. Because as you learn and grow, know that you're going to make mistakes and it's part of life. And don't ever think that mistakes are not part of your journey. You're going to definitely make mistakes. And when you make those mistakes, get up again. Don't sleep. Don't lay down there. Get up again and talk to people. Talk to trusted people that you can tell them about your failures or where you feel like you went wrong or how they can bring you back. And definitely there are people that are going to be on the journey with you. They might not be like attached to you, but probably looking from the far end and just looking at you, just know that some of those people will come to you and let you know, hey, I think you need to correct this area. I think you need to change this part. And when they say don't be defensive, accept it and make that change and grow with it because then you become better. You know, you are making yourself a better person as you grow along. But one thing you touched on being self-reliant reflective is very important like think about it look back at yourself as you go through the journey as you go through the days look back at things that you're doing and reflect on it and it will help you in your growth you talked about challenges what are some of the challenges you faced 
I think you mentioned at the start, what are these leaders doing? Can they see what you young people are doing? So our youth in itself can be a challenge. Just how, you know, people can look at you as a young person and decide just because you're young, you have no value you're bringing in. They underestimate you. They don't listen to you. Even if they do listen, they dismiss your ideas. They dismiss the things that you have to say. So if anything, that's a challenge because in that situation, obviously it means you are not going to have access to maybe places where you can contribute to positive decision making that could lead to change for communities and the wider collective right so that in itself is a challenge but obviously in Gambia as well for me it's being a woman so that's an extra barrier and having to live in a system where you know men are always first men are always right men are the ones who make the decisions men are the ones who lead men are the ones we listen to that in itself is a challenge and as much as I have found my voice as much as I know not to allow myself to be silenced you know some of these things are structural it's not about what I can be so on top of being young I am a woman and when you live in a society like the Gambia where you know men are right men are always making the decisions they're the ones who are leading they're the ones with power they're the ones with authority It means obviously that there are limits to what you can do. And as much as maybe we have individuals who are progressing and who are achieving a lot, for me, if it doesn't filter down, if it doesn't bring everyone else along then it's not so much progress really it's one person that's really just breaking through the glass ceiling like they say so for me really I think that's one of the challenges it's that sometimes our voices are not being heard in the places where they matter even in spaces where they're making decisions about the lives of young women or women in general women are not there so decisions are being made about us and our lives without our input without our thoughts and our ideas Um, so I think that's one of the challenges had as well obviously the big one is with regards money and funding and the finances that allow us to do the work that we do but also just in my own personal journey because I don't come from a rich family my mother has worked very hard to make sure she provides more opportunities for us than she had so that we can do better than she has done you know but I've had to like live a life where sometimes I don't get the things that I want so for example the university I went to is not the university I wanted to go to Never in my life would I have imagined that I would be doing my undergrad studies in Morocco, right? (laughs) I was thinking, oh, when I finish, I'm going to go to the US or to the UK, you know, to these big universities and get my degree. But I could not do that because my mother especially did not have the means to pay through that. So I had to go through uni thanks to a scholarship that the government offered me. And right now with the work that I do, sometimes I have all of these ideas, like really amazing ideas, but... I can't do it without funds. I can't do it without resources. And I use my own resources a lot from what I make from my day job to fund the work that I do that I consider my hard work. But obviously that's not sustainable. And obviously there's limits to how much you can do when that's the model you're using. So the challenges are many. There's also obviously the challenge of just people having their perceptions of who you are and making up stories of who you are simply because you refuse to be boxed in. You refuse to be everyone's cup of tea but if anything at all that's the least of my worries because I found a way to really deal with all of that noise and just focus on my destination yeah 
Right. <laughs> this morning I was taking a walk and I just finished reading a bio, getting ready for the interview. I was tearing up. You've done so much that it's like, there is still so much to do. Like how come? And I see a lot of people putting in so much work in different parts of the world, especially in Africa. You see a lot of people pushing through, but the leaders are not helping at all. I was here sitting one day and I was telling my flatmate, I was like, there's going to be a time where young people are going to stand and start doing the roads, building houses, building schools, doing whatever, just because they don't have time to wait for the government to do anything for them. Because if we're going to wait, we're going to be waiting forever. So we are not going to care about whether the president wants to do anything. And if it's time to vote and we see somebody that is good and they still don't make it to presidency, we're still going to push for because Africa has to change. There needs to be a change somewhere. You know, there has to be a shift because this cannot be going on forever and ever. Like FGM, we're still talking about FGM in 2021. You know, we're still talking about uncles and what cousins raping their siblings or people staying with them like in 2021 and they're being arrested and then the government cannot do anything about it because, oh, they are supporting their party or why no someone like how is it that we are still talking about this now? It can be very frustrating and it comes back to the limitations I'm talking about. So even if as an individual, you have found a way to cope with the situation, you're always going to go meet that roadblock, right? I think a few weeks ago, we had this internet outage. Or was it last week? We've had three this year, right? <laughs> so I can't even remember which one it was. And somebody was like, you can be as rich as possible. You can be as wealthy as you want to be. But the government will make sure that on some days, you wouldn't even have access to the basic things that you do. So as much as you win, as much as you thrive, as much as you are successful and wealthy, if the structural issues are not dealt with, you are going nowhere. You're always going to hit those roadblocks. You know, they're not even waiting for one day. They're already doing that. I mean, look at how we're mobilizing to provide healthcare via GoFundMe. How we're mobilizing via GoFundMe to pay for people's university fees because, well, there are no resources, no scholarships. Healthcare is a mess. So it's young people coming together within our small networks to chip in little money that we have to see that people are supported. But again, it comes back to how sustainable is that model? It's not sustainable at all. That is so true. And Barabekas Khan, I'm looking at registering us as a nonprofit very soon. One of the things I really want to do, I've already started doing, and like you said, personal funds doing that, but like helping people, especially those back home that have like little businesses and they are looking for funding just so that they can be able to forge ahead, right? So I'm able to support them personally. So with Barabekas Khan, what I want to do is to be able to support other people, you know, like you guys, and whether it's school, whether it's therapy, whether it's your little business. That's what I want it to be able to do, to be able to fund other people so that they can be able to stand up. And then through that, we are, we are like building a chain, right? Trying to build a connection, a ripple effect. They will also stand and help other people because we can't do it on our own. I mean, I see so many talents there, so many talents that have been stifled because there's no money to do anything. And that's what I want Barabekas Corner to be, not just a nonprofit for itself, but a nonprofit that is looking at other nonprofits, other businesses, other families. Is it school? Is it therapy? Whatever it is, like, I really want that because we really do need that. At some point, we'll get there, you know, we'll get to that point where we're able to stand firm and stand strong and be able to have that connection because there's so many talents out there there's so many talents people want to do something but it's so hard and government stopping you like I have projects like even when I was back home I'll have projects to do certain things but first of all <laughs> I love Gambia Gambia is my home I'm from Ghana but I've been in Gambia from when I was 
four years old. And that's the only home I know. When I go to Ghana, I'm a tourist in my own country. <laughs> so Gambia is small home to me. And so when I have these projects and I want to do it, first of all, they are looking at your nationality to be able to do anything, right? So it's like, first of all, your nationality is going to stop you from doing that. It's made me pause on certain projects, but I feel like at the right time, when I do go back, I have projects that I really want to work on. It's just engaging with you guys, you know, engaging with the Gambian community, engaging with people that I feel like it might be better now. I don't know. You are there. I don't know. But I feel like it will be better now because then it was like really hard, you know, yeah, yeah, Jamie there at that time. But I hope it's different now that people are able to do things. I think there's been at least a bit of a more open, at least civic space, if anything at all. And I don't even know, I wouldn't even attribute it to the government. This is a change that needed to happen and it came with the votes, right? So there's no way this government could have succeeded, even if they wanted to, in stifling people's voices. That's one thing they're not going to be able. So they can sit in their corner and refuse to, you know, engage in development projects and all. But the issue of freedom of speech and freedom of expression and people doing what they need to do, I don't think that's something that they can completely control anymore. Like that ship has sailed. But I mean, it's what you have said. For me, it's really how do we work together? How do we bring our different strengths together? Ensure that we are doing the work that needs to be done and we're getting the results that we need to get. But yes, it can be super frustrating. And I always say I never blame people who choose to leave and go try their luck somewhere else. I never blame them because I know just how frustrating it is to do anything here. Yeah, I mean, for me, Gambia is going to be always home for me. My parents, my sisters, they are all there. So when I say I'm going back home, I am going back to Gambia. I'm not even thinking of Ghana. So it's like, it's more home to me. And I really like anything I'm doing, like I'm on Twitter, I'm just like Gambian Twitter. <laughs> I'm looking all over, you know, like last week I had to tell one of my friends I was out of town. He was like, oh, I'm trying to reach my family. I can't get them. I was like, there's an internet outage. I was giving him information. <laughs> so yeah. So what are the lessons you've learned along the way? So the first one I've talked about, which is that the learning never stops. I carry this with me. Every single day I wake up, I'm looking for an opportunity to learn. And I learn best by doing. So you mentioned something around making mistakes. And that's something I really had to learn. I hate mistakes. Like I am a perfectionist in the worst ways that anyone can be a perfectionist. And I had to teach myself and be like, Gemma, you know what? You're not God. You're going to make mistakes and you have to be okay with making these mistakes and see them as points of learning. So that's still something I'm learning though. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've arrived with it. But for me, um, the lesson has always been life is about constant learning and every opportunity you have to learn, take it. But also whatever opportunities you have to teach, take those opportunities as well and pass it on because it's a cycle. It's the ripples that go out. I was given opportunities. I need to be able to also make sure I'm providing whatever opportunities I can to other people. The second one is about values. Like I say this all the time. I feel like as human beings, we should have our values and stay true to those values and stay true to what makes us who we are because sometimes you can get easily carried away by the noise you can get easily carried away by the praise and even the criticism you know forgetting who you are and what makes you who you are but I believe it's also your values that help you to make decisions that ensure you're guarding your integrity so for me my integrity is very important to me like that's something I don't mess with. You can say whatever you want about me, but once you talk things that will affect my integrity, I will make sure to clear my name. So for me, like that's one of the lessons that I have had and that 
you know, people will eventually respect it as much as sometimes at the start there's resistance, you know, they make you out to be difficult, they make you out to be problematic. People will realize this person has a set of values that they believe in and they're true to. So, you know, you have to respect this. And so for me, that's a very important lesson. And it's something that I pass on to the many young girls that I work with and that I share a space with. And I guess the final one is learning to celebrate myself. And you mentioned that humble for what piece. And it's really arriving at that point where I realize, Jama, you have done this work. It is okay to celebrate yourself. And growing up, I had that, you know, for me, whatever people used to tell me, the praise, the celebration and all of that, it always came as an addition to me celebrating myself. But sometimes I would do it and then I will get back in a corner and I'm like, oh, will this make other people uncomfortable? You know, am I showing off? Am I this? Am I that? But growing up and dealing with the challenges that I've dealt with and beating those challenges and even sometimes completely failing and learning from that, I had to teach myself to celebrate myself to honor myself, to elevate myself before anyone else does. And even if it doesn't come from the outside, I am good because internally I am happy with who I am. I am at peace with who I am. I am proud of who I am. I am proud of the work that I have done and I'm proud of the results that I am getting. So I really had to teach myself to celebrate myself, you know, beyond just celebrating other people because usually it's easier to do that. You know, you're always hyping up other people. You extend so much more grace to other people than you do to yourself. But I had to tell myself, it is okay for you to pause and say, well done. Congratulations, Jama. It's okay to celebrate your wins, whether you want to do it out loud in public, you know, or keep it to yourself or speak to a small group of your close friends, whichever way you choose to. It is okay to celebrate yourself and you should do more of that. I think that two things I'm learning, celebrating myself and learning that mistakes are part of me because <laughs> I'm still learning those things. Like I am so afraid to fail. I just want to be perfect. But then I need to know that mistakes are part of my life. I mean, I've made mistakes in my life already. And it's like, oh my God, if someone finds out, what are they going to think about me? Like that thought process, I need to try and bring down. I'm still learning in that area and celebrating myself. Yo, I think you're the one who posted this on Twitter or I don't know whether someone else I was saying I'm paraphrasing here that we need to accept when someone celebrates us or when someone say hey you did so well I'm so proud of you we need to accept to receive that and I think whether it was you or whoever wrote it is like receive it and accept it so I was doing this podcast this was like around October November this post on Twitter so I was doing a podcast and then this person said it's because of you that I was able to achieve this I was about to say oh no then I remember the post and I was like thank you thank I received that thank you because yeah. <laughs> I was about to downplay and I remember the post and I was like you know what I need to celebrate more I need to be able to share it like sometimes I have stuff that I've done and I'm like oh my god I was able to do this I, I don't even know how to post it out there because I'm like what would this person say they'll just be like oh my god this it's that burden of what would other people say that we can't put us everywhere and it just stops us from thriving and doing everything that we want to do I had to learn that as people would give me compliments and I would be there downplaying and like, oh, you know, you're just kidding. You're just, that. you're just, you know, and then I'll just wiggle my way out of it because I realized I was being uncomfortable 
you know, we're just accepting. And I had to teach myself, you know, it's okay when people tell you this, it's okay for you to just say thank you. Even if you don't say anything else in addition to that, it's okay for you to just say thank you and acknowledge. Because the truth is a lot of the stuff we do, we don't even understand the impact it has on other people's lives. We don't even understand it. You know, it's when things like that happen, like when somebody's talking to you and they tell you, you are the reason why I did this and that. That's when you understand. Because for us, maybe we're just doing what we feel like like we're supposed to be doing or what we feel like we enjoy doing but we don't realize you know what it means for other people who may be watching us who may probably not even know us or have a relationship with us especially as women because it's also very gendered men find it easier to just celebrate and loud their successes and all of that but for women you know it's always this idea of we have to be humble we have to be humble and for me like that humility <laughs> that false idea of humility is what I want us to do away with and free ourselves and just celebrate ourselves yeah I'll try and work on that. <laughs> I will try. And I think that would be a growth for me when I get to that point. Because then whoever says anything, that's your business. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's the mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with Barabricus Connor, one of the reasons why I started the podcast is to have conversations I wish I had when I was younger. And I want to ask you, what conversation did you wish you had when you were younger that would have helped you be in a better place? Maybe one where I am taught that... I am not for everyone and not everyone is for me because that's something I had to come into as a young person who was involved in service still is obviously community service and thinking I have to show up for people. I have to do this. I have to do that. I'm serving community. I had to teach myself that I was not going to be for everyone. And there's so many meanings for that. But it helped me to really focus. It helped me to determine where I could do the most or my best work and where I could get meaningful results and to focus on that. But to also understand that as much as I want community, as much as I want to build community, I will have to choose what that community looks like for me. And it is okay. And obviously it may not sit well with everyone, but that's the conversation I would have wanted to be told that it is okay. In that Gemma, you will find who you are. You will find your voice. You know, you will do great things. You will excel. You will thrive. And it's not going to be something that everyone will be happy about. There are people who are always going to find something to criticize about what you do. But you know what? It is okay for you to not pay attention to that. So I would have loved that very, very early. So yes, I had, you know, the grounding and being confident and self-aware and, you know, building my self-esteem and all of that. But in Gambian culture, you're always thinking, what would people say? What would people say? And it really affects everything that we do and all of the decisions that we take. So I would have really loved to have that conversation as a young person to say, not everyone's going to be for you, just like you're not going to be for everyone. And that is okay. That is so true. Yeah, I was reading something on women supporting women and they have this thing that they were doing. Not everyone will support you, you know, and they had different reasons why people would not support you. And it's so true that people need to know that not everybody will support you. And not that they don't love you. Yeah, some people don't like you. They just naturally don't like you, so they wouldn't support you. But there are others out there that you shouldn't take it out on that, oh, they are not supporting me. Why are they not supporting me? Like, you don't have to get upset about that. One need to know that some people are going to love what you're doing. Some people are not. Just because it's maybe not their area they are in, not something they like to do. And mostly 
really has nothing to do with it. It's just what you're doing. It's like, it's not something they are used to doing. Like somebody that loves football is a football player. I don't like watching football, so I'm not going to be, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I think sometimes that's the misunderstanding. I mean, we have this sense of entitlement. And I know I, I've spoken about this a lot, about how we need to unlearn, you know, our sense of entitlement to other people's time and their energy and their resources and their support. And sometimes when people don't support or show up for us in the way that we feel like, you know, they should, we take it personal. You understand? We try to smear their names, you know. I mean, I am guilty of this. It's like you're always judging the person because they're not supporting you. But, you know, that's something to learn as well. Unlearn your entitlement to people's support. Nobody owes you support. You understand? People really don't owe you anything. You know, we talk about, oh, decency, blah, blah. Obviously, that's communal living. You live in a community. There are certain values that you need to have. You need to be a human being. Being, right but then feeling entitled to just people's support and people's time and people's resources sometimes you don't even know what these people are going through and you're just holding a grudge you know internally to say I am mad at this person you've not even tried to understand why has this person not been able to show up for me so it's a very valuable lesson to learn because I feel like it will allow us all to extend more grace to one another and a lot more compassion to one another well said what advice can you give to someone who feels like life is hard no one is supporting me I want to do this what are people going to say like what advice can you give to someone so that they can also stand up and also break barriers the first one is believing in yourself and I know believing in yourself can be hard when it feels like you know the whole world is stacked against you the odds are stacked against you it's easy you know sometimes it can even be a thing of privilege to tell other people believe in yourself so another thing I think is being able to ask for help sometimes we feel like we're superhuman sometimes we feel like we need to do everything ourselves on our own but there's a lot of peace that also comes with acknowledging I can't do everything on my own and I'm going to seek help and that's okay so it's important to understand when you get to that point where you need help and you actively go out and seek that help you know that's perfectly okay and linked to that of course I'm always like find your tribe find your community find your people because that is where you will be rooted. I always talk about, you know, my feminist sisters and how feminist sisterhood continuously saves my life. I know what that has done for me. So as much as, yeah, you're not for everyone and everyone is not for you, there's always going to be people who are for you, you know, where you will feel safe, where you feel like you belong, where you feel like this is my tribe, this is my community. Find that and it's very useful, especially for when you face hard times. Sometimes all you need is just people being present for you and telling you, I am here for you. You're not alone. Yesterday I was having an IG live and we were talking about overcoming fear. And one of the things that my sister had mentioned was that in overcoming fear, you need to be able to ask people for help. And when you said that, that resonated with me because it's like, she said, if you're not taking help, it's you being prideful. Just humble yourself and just go, we need each other to grow. Like you're saying, find your tribe, go to them, seek help. You know, there are people out there that love you already. You may know, you may not know, but just go out there and ask for that help. And it's going to definitely come to you. We need to be able to seek help, you know, especially from those that are around us. Don't ever feel like nobody wants you to ask them for help or anything. Just go and ask. If they can't, accept that they can't, you know, don't be upset with them. Don't be angry. You never know what they're going through, you know, personally. Yes. But continuously seek and the right person. Maybe you just need the right person. So you have to keep taking that step and asking. Maybe that person cannot help, but they can refer you to another person. So take that step. Before we go, let's talk about the method. I loved method. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it correctly. Is it better? 
yeah my bet that's right <laughs> i so love that i watched it i think i watched it like two three times when it was available to watch is it available now to watch no so we've taken it down we're just opening it for people to rent it out and watch but we're hoping to open it up again in a few months before like we finally put it out online congratulations to you and your team for the awards that you guys have been collecting all over <laughs> did you guys think it will go worldwide <laughs> I don't think so because you know with Mimit, right? We didn't get any funding to do it so we funded it ourselves and with regards to the festivals we're getting into and all like I have been doing that distribution so I'm the one that's submitting and all of that and even that is limited because you need to pay for all of the submissions that you make and we just don't have that money <laughs> so it's what okay I have some money that I could use for this and then you use that but for us like it's been a really really wonderful journey you know just seeing how the film is received you know in the Gambia outside of the Gambia but also the fact that we've not just shared a film we're also creating an opportunity for the people involved in the film you know the actors the crew and them to be recognized for their talents that is important for us so i mean we knew we produced a quality film we knew we produced a film based on a very powerful story that i wrote but some of the wins have been very beautiful surprises and we're really grateful for it but also especially because of the message of the film it's not just about the wins we're getting it's how the message of the film is going beyond the borders of the gambia and who knows what that could lead to so yeah it's been a beautiful experience <laughs> Yeah, we need more of those messages out there. Those messages are really important, you know. Through that, somebody can have an idea to start something, to do something, to cause a change that will be something great, right? So I am so proud of you guys, so proud that you guys were able to do this and put this together. And it just spoke to me that no matter what you are doing, sometimes whatever you have to do, you might have to start with what you have. You might not have the funds, you might not have anything but start with the little that you have in your hands and start doing something and after it all i mean i'm sure by the time you guys are going to go into the next movies that you'll be making and stories that you'll be telling there'll be funding coming out from everywhere you know but even if it doesn't just keep pushing you guys are gonna make it like you're already making it it's not even you're gonna make it one day you're already making it and i'm super proud of you guys like whoever you are out there whatever you are doing you need to start it you know there are people counting on you and i I always say this in Barabika's Corner that there are people that are connected to you or that are waiting on you to break through that you know or may not know of. And so they are waiting for you to take that step. And once you take that step, you realize that people will be latching on, people will be understanding the message. People will begin to be like, oh my God, I can do this. Like, oh my God, so this is wrong. Let me change this. How can I change? Like people are waiting on you to take that step. Some people don't even know that this is wrong or this is right. People are counting on you to do something. You may know them, you may not know them, but just go ahead and do what you have to do so that, you know, you'll be transforming and impacting people's lives. So thank you guys for doing this I am super proud of you and thank you so much for coming on here to do this with me do you have any final words just to say thank you and thank you for this space I think it's really important and it ties into you know just the celebrations we're talking about the more we celebrate ourselves the more we're able to also celebrate other people and I feel like especially for the Gambian community that's something we need more of so thank you for creating this space you know thank you for the very kind words it's been kind words since I connected to this interview 
I'm really, really grateful for that. It makes all the difference. Sometimes it gets really hard, but you know, you hear these words of encouragement, you hear the words of support, and it really just reminds you, you know, why you are doing this and why it's important to stay on track. So thank you. And thank you to Larry Baker's Corner. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in the Gambia, West Africa. Cause they-